Welcome to Open Sources Guelph here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I am Adam A. Donaldson of the famous Guelph Politico, and joining me is... Scotty Hertz of the not-so-famous Bunker of the Ward. <laughs> In full festive mode, I imagine by now, we are pre-recording this, but... Uh, uh, Oh, I shouldn't say that. Sorry. Rewind. We're, we're, we're ruining radio magic. Rewind the tape. <laughs> wow, aren't these holidays great? They're going so well. You can hear the bells in the background and the snow is falling. And yeah. Fala la, baby. <laughs> wow. Okay. That was a, exactly. Yeah. That was quite the pivot. Yeah. Open Sources is CFRU's political and current affairs discussion show. You can find us here every Thursday at 5 p.m. as we talk about the latest news items from Guelph, Ontario, Canada, and around the world. And we sometimes interview local newsmakers and politicians. But since this is the last week of the year, year seven of Open Sources, by the way, um, we wow. do this thing at the end of the year for our year-end award show uh, where we give out uh, imaginary hardware in four categories – um, and they are worst politician, good news story of the year, dumpster fire of the year, and best politician. So that is what's coming up on this week's show. We will, of course, start with the perhaps favorite category, or perhaps the, the easiest one to <laughs> <laughs> to find a, <laughs> some nominees for, uh, which is the worst politician of the year. Uh, Scotty, why don't you kick us off by telling me who your favorite or who your worst favorite worst politician of the year is? Who gets the trophy this year, the Imagine Trophy? Well, unless I, I'm wondering if somebody's ever going to like ask for their trophy because that would be funny. You have to get some gold spray paint and paint something to send them. The, That's somebody right. will somebody will call someday, but it won't be Doug Ford, who's my first choice. <laughs> For worst politician of the year, and I'm not sure we probably should retire him as well as we did Donald Trump all those years ago. Seems mm-hmm. like a long time ago. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's you know it was a toss up. There's we always have runners up as well, and I would say it's Jason Kenney. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, people are going to say, "Well, you're just saying that because he's a conservative." Uh, no, that is not the reason at all. Uh, in regular time, somebody like Doug Ford can coast along. I feel we've talked about this before, and I think we have, as to mm-hmm. how um, just plain cocky this current government was when they were elected and they were going to do this and that. And they're going to cut everything and cut health care and, you know, because the people and the money and the taxes and then boom, COVID hits and they pivot, which is <laughs> should also be retired saying pivot, but I'm yeah, saying yeah. it facetiously. So there you go. Yeah. They pivot to this. Oh, we love our healthcare workers. We love our personal workers. And if I slip into the uh, Doug Ford impersonation, please forgive me because it's just so easy to do. Um, <laughs> but yet we, you know, we, st- we still see shades of this whole, I don't know. What's the word? Lick spittle. Mm. <laughs> to, to who their obligation is to sometimes and developers and real estate and all those people that they owe favors to mm-hmm. shoppers drug mart maybe somehow uh, <laughs> and i'm not you know in my opinion i, I will i'll quantify that because it's like well you know we sort of know these people are affiliated mm-hmm. but the whole the handling of covid oh particularly and I guess it does bring us up, right? This is year in review, kind of, but it brings us up to the, the current day, the chaos with a rapid test giveaway, the booster shot mayhem, 
I mean, it's like there are, you know, not just to bash conservatives because there are conservative governments in the country that seem to be doing okay, albeit they have smaller populations like Nova Scotia, mm. where they're giving rapid tests away like it's Halloween candy or <laughs> Christmas treats. I saw one of Santa just like, hey, would you like a rabbit dust? And it's no big deal. Same with PEI, smallest uh, population of a province and conservative run, and yet they're like, they're keeping a handle on this. But it's just... This seems to be a level of, of chaos. And and then Ford and Co., but mostly Ford, when he does this whole dump, and regardless of how you feel about the feds doing this dump back to the federal government about, well, we just need the vaccine. Well, the government didn't send us enough rapid tests, so we don't have them. Like, it's mm. just, it goes back to, like, the early days of COVID. We're like, well, we just need the vaccines. And they're like, okay, here's all of these. What are you going to, you know, who's going to distribute them? And like there just seems to be this level of chaos that doesn't need to be there, right? Like mm -hmm. if you were this is when the heat is on, you need the person that's able to, you know, it, they do work as a government, but you need somebody to point to and say, yeah, that's he, he's got it, he's got it under control. And I don't, I don't think he. I've never thought <laughs> whether he was a counselor in Toronto or the premier of the province that uh, he was cut out for the job, but now that COVID. <laughs> I mean, if you can't get that straight, right? If you can't get the COVID straight, and he doubles down on it too. It's like when he was talking about the libraries when it was with uh, Margaret Atwood. I like libraries, and he kept saying it. It's like when somebody, I don't know if no one corrects him on it. It's sort of like Trump-like, right? It's like just, China. I, I know you shouldn't judge people on their how they pronounce things like Kesha, Keisha, you know, as from last week. Flashback we know that last this, week, yeah. Yeah. We know <laughs> these things happen, right? But it's like, dude, just oh no. So we'll see what transpires in 2022, but I, I don't know. Uh I enjoyed all of that. Um <laughs> But I mean, here's the thing. You you already mentioned my worst politician of the year, which is Jason Kenney. Oh, there we go. Tag team. I, <laughs> I think, but I think the difference between Jason Kenney and Doug Ford is like people look at have looked at Jason Kenney like in the past and like, okay, here's a guy who is a future, not like not just future like premier of Alberta, which is like the choice he made after the the fall of the Harper government in 2015, he was going to be future prime minister material. Oh, Nobody wow. looks at Doug Ford and thinks this guy is going to be the future prime minister of Canada. Like some people may like try to shove him that way, but I, I think, no chance. Right. But I mean, I, well, sorry, I shouldn't say that there's always a chance, but there's yeah. always a chance, but like, yeah. you're, you're absolutely right. Like he could have coasted. If there had been no crisis, he could have coasted. He would have been, pushed hither and yon to you know whatever like sort of ideological decisions that like the party executive kind of wanted um but you know these are kind of the fires in which we're tested and things were expected from jason kenny that just were not expected from doug ford i started off my research on uh, jason kenny's year by googling a very simple phrase Jason Kenny bad year. That's what I Googled. <laughs> Here's the top results I got, like the headlines from the top results I got. So McLean's Jason Kenny is simply um, Jason Kenny is thinking how it all went wrong. That was from McLean's. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> the National Observer 
the fall of Jason Kenny. And I'm pretty sure that was like in the spring. Uh, also from the National Observer, is Jason Kenny the worst premiere ever? Uh, the CBC, Jason Kenny's terrible, horrible, not so good, very bad year. And that was from January 22nd. Oh. Uh, Jason Kenny, uh, Jason Kenny's words may be self inflicted, or Jason Kenny's wounds may be self inflicted, but they um, are politically. Uh, failures. Seventy-five percent of Albertans think Jason Kenny is do is doing a bad job. Um, <laughs> and this is Alberta, like you know, yeah, that was Alberta. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And here's from the Tai. Sorry, not sorry. Jason Kenny's COVID nineteen disaster. Uh-huh. So I mean, you know, things are bad when, like a, a month ago, Jason Kenny's you know agrees to justin trudeau's ten dollar day childcare plan and they do a press event together standing side by side in the same room which is mm. something pre-2020 election jason kenny would not do uh there was a funding announcement for something in alberta like in june or july and jason kenny was like i'm gonna do it myself yeah it's federal money try and stop me i do not want my picture taken with justin trudeau well how quickly things change sure now he's taking these picture taken what happened in between uh the best summer ever in alberta which turned out to be not the best summer ever (laughs) and it's just he keeps making these i mean say what you want about doug ford but he can be bullied into like taking action eventually and like maybe it is sometimes too late and certainly he's got he got hammered in the last few weeks by by Mike Schreiner, by Stephen Del Duca for Andrea Horvath, all for like using words like dithering and delay. Mm. But you can get him there. Jason Kenny in in a in a in a uh, an, an event before um before Christmas, you know, somebody's like, "Are you going to put more like restrictions on people as we head into Christmas season?" He's he uh, this isn't an exact quote, but he was eventually he, his attitude is basically like, eh, "Why bother?" No one's going to do anything. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's a rotten attitude when you're in the middle of a crisis. It's like, oh, no one's going to listen to me. It's like, you're the premier. Why don't you lead? And, you know, it's like he's already checked out. He still has like a year left in his mandate, like a year and a half, because, uh, you know, if, I think election day in Alberta is like June 2023. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what are you even doing? I mean, granted, his own party is beat up on him and his own party uh, talk about things like we forget there was that whole scandal in january it was like every day some other alberta comp some uh upcp alberta politician was outed for going on vacation during the christmas break yeah right in the middle of the second wave like there was a story a day about this and even that that people in his own party are like sick of him and want him gone there's a leadership review coming up in april so i mean it, are you checked out jason like you just don't want to bother anymore you know, you, you, the writing's on the wall. <laughs> Rachel Notley's like sneaking into the premier's office, measuring She's hovering, the drapes. Yeah. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> and you know, it, it's it's almost sad in a way because a lot of people did look at him as like a future, not just of like Alberta's conservative party, but of like the national party. Like he was the guy they turned to to expand the the base of the party in in like new Canadian communities. There was once upon a time, Jason Kenney was going to be the kingmaker, if not the king. And I just don't see it happening after this year. And to give him like at least an iota of credit, he's a smart enough person Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
But the problem is that he's so tied to what I always describe as the corporate mindset. Or are you, you know, are you mm-hmm. elected to please uh, you know, the oil and gas industry and all mm-hmm. those, the lobby and all of that, which I believe he is or was. I mean, that that's that's where he, that's his wheelhouse, right? Mm-hmm. That's where he lives. Also with this overarching, the, the um, let's call it the social conservative mindset as well, because we know that's his origin story. That's where he comes from. He spent all those years with the Harper government. Uh, and, you know, I guess to his credit, to some degree, building a, a bridges with, uh, with the, let's call it the multicultural community was his job. And he did do that. Mm-hmm. But then you go further back in time. I'm thinking to that, back to that video of him at college. And he was, you know, being an uber Catholic about stuff and taking on all of the um, organizations at the call, you know, progressive organizations, let's say. Mm-hmm. So he, not only does he have this, the corporate mindset, but he's also uh, within the, the, the social conservative realm and, and, you know, those things are what they are, but he, I think when he does fall on the sword, which he will, I don't know if it's going to be in the leadership review, but this, you know, mm. we're not, this will be the end. He, if this keeps up, which I think it will, mm. uh, it's going to be the end of him. And then he'll appear on, he'll be on like 20 boards of directors, like yeah. Stockwell day and the rest of them end yeah. up, uh, and who's he got working for him now? Ben Harper. That's, I don't know if you've seen Ben Harper on Twitter, <laughs> but, uh, I don't know if we're still doing this 10 years from now, maybe ship ben off Harper the old block, ben yeah, Harper. It, but yeah. it's the usual garbage, right? Like yeah. that, that it, it's you know, nepotism to a degree that this, this kid is going to end up within the, the UCP gang. They'll complain about it when the left and progressive other parties do it. But yet when they do it, it's like, well, you know, um, well, Justin Trudeau is a prime example of that. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's like that, he was a drama teacher. How yeah. dare he get into politics? Yeah, <laughs> it's it's all it's it's name recognition, right? But right. that's yeah, again a, another story. But yeah, so this he's he's gonna go. I think he's gonna go. He may he will probably go sooner than Ford. Ford may he may um, survive. Yeah, may survive. May emerge from this. I mean, there is you know rumbling, grumbling about coming in twenty twenty two a second term, and that's. Uh, and that's entirely possible, but it just, it depends uh, yeah. on how the next six months play out. Right. I don't, th- I don't I, think I, it's possible for Kenny. I question whether or not Ford comes back with even a majority. I think mm. that's a big if, because like yeah. they've, they've, he's lost a lot of seats just like from like kicking out people who won't play ball, like the Andy true Vassers, blues and the true blues. Uh, yeah. Rick Hillier, who was also yeah. on my short list to appear as worst politician, but that's yeah. Well, wow, that's uh, let's move on to some good news. Uh, yeah, what was your good news story of the year? Um, the good news story of the year for me was, and I'm going to give this one to the. It's more of a blanket award to the <laughs> army, literal army of medical professionals that have looked after mm. Canada, let's say, and maybe even extended to the world uh, during the crisis. So, in the face of all of the of everything that is going on, you, you have this, this, the legion of people that will come on uh, the news and various things and, and tell us, you know, give us the, the, give us the news good or bad um, about everything that's going on with COVID and going on in the world. Um, and in the face of everything that 
they're up against. And right now we're hitting another. What is it? Were we, are we calling this the fifth wall yet? Is this is this round five officially? I don't even know. Um, the fifth, <laughs> it's like the fifth. it's like sequels. When you get high yeah. enough, you stop giving them numbers because yeah. you don't want to sound like you've been around for a while. Rocky three plus Rocky V <laughs> equals Rocky. Yeah, uh, it is almost <laughs> fifth wave. I don't even call it the fifth wave. The the Omicron wave is here, and the amount of stuff that these folks have been through is is phenomenal. Like you wouldn't that you wouldn't mm. most most of us wouldn't survive if we weren't prepared. And mm. there, I again, I think there's a lot of casualties to varying degree within the uh, the medical community and all of those that extend out from that um that are dealing with covid in the trenches and you know they, a lot of politicians do use these kind of uh like doug ford using the kind of the war metaphor to talk about uh covid and those that fight it mm. but if we think back you know sort of deking back to doug ford for a minute about how they really wanted to beat on healthcare, and jason kenny did too and in the middle of covid well, you're not getting a raise. It's like, uh, really? You won't even give us like one percent, and we're like, we are literally dropping here, fighting this damn thing for you that you don't necessarily uh, haven't necessarily stood up against, you know. Mm-hmm. So I didn't think the the good news story would play into the worst politician story, but it does, right? It does because yeah. it's 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 you know so they're, they're they're selfless. They're like, and it wouldn't matter what your politics were if you show up on uh, on their doorstep and need need help be it from the fact that you might be a, an anti-vaxxer or whatever your politics are or whatever the reasons are that you end up in the er or in the hospital or needing health care they're there right and we can't you know we we have to they, they you know lifetime achievement award i'm gonna bestow on them this very day because it's we'd be i almost dropped a bomb there but we would be lost without them mm-hmm uh, interesting that you know you kind of connect the <laughs> the worst to the, <laughs> to the to good the news, but yeah, uh, I did kind of the same thing because my good news story was labor generally. Um, oh yeah, you know we had strike. It was like role reversal for us, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know. But yeah, like the the you know one of the big non sort of COVID, well it was connected to COVID away, but you know was that. Doug Ford reversal on $15 minimum wage. He comes out in October like, hey, everyone, I have an idea. $15 minimum wage, huh? Huh? And it's like, <laughs> cool, dude. Yeah. That should have happened three years ago. But well, it technically should have happened like 20 years ago. But um, it, Good it's point. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it shows how quickly, the, you know, the the labor picture is moving um, that, you know, we get 50, now there's $15 minimum wage in in Ontario, you have the, the federal government approving 10 uh, mandatory sick days for all regu- uh, federally regulated industry. Um, even something like uh, stat holiday for National Day of Truth and Reconciliation. That's that's not small potatoes either. It, it, I mean, it is all these small moves and they are small moves. And a lot of labor activists and activists in general will, you know, well, we shouldn't really be celebrating $15 minimum wage because the living wage is at least in Guelph, I want to say is $18 and 10 cents now. Um, but I mean, yeah, progress is, right. yeah, progress is progress. I mean, yeah. One Starbucks in Buffalo unionized, but like 
there are people at Starbucks HQ whose job it is to stop unionization. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's not their job title. That's not the job description you get when you apply for the job. But it is essentially that, like union busting. There's a union busting department in all of these big corporations. Uh-huh. So, um, you know, for one Starbucks in Buffalo to unionize successfully and then be recognized by the labor board, that is huge. For like Kellogg's, um, which is in the midst of a huge strike right now at four of their plants in, in the Midwest US. Um, I mean, it's been going on for months. Kellogg's is like, they're trying to hire scabs. They're trying to, you know, outplay the union on social media. But I mean, even people who aren't employed by Kellogg's are responding, uh, you know, to the, to the call to support the Kellogg's workers. And of course, who's going visiting them on the strike lines, Bernie Sanders. It's like, well, of course, Bernie Sanders, um, yeah. But, you know, what does Bernie Sanders do at the, at the Senate? He's the chair of the budget committee. So like this, like old socialist, you know, lion in charge of like the purse strings <laughs> in the Senate. Um, I mean, that's a big deal. The, the chair mm. of the like, put it the other way. The chair of the budget committee visited striking workers last week uh, at the Kellogg's plant. The minister, the um, I was going to say the minister of labor, but that's not the name of the title in the U.S. The, the no. secretary of labor, yeah, <laughs> Marty Williams, former mayor of Boston, is like making the rounds on picket lines, visiting striking workers. That is hugely symbolic. I mean, and again, yeah, like the Biden administration hasn't made great strides on a lot of these social policies, and they're hitting a wall with, you know, certain senators from West Virginia whose names I'm sick of <laughs> sick of mentioning, <laughs> but you know. These are small moves that show like real labor progress. People aren't taking labor for granted anymore. And I mean, to go back to the Doug Ford of it, when he announced the $15 minimum wage, there was none of that BS this time that came when, when the wind government announced the increase to $14. And when was that? 2017. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Where there was like all of these stories is like, what are minimum wage workers really going to do with all of this extra money and is it going to like kill small businesses are they going to close down because now they have to pay 14 dollars an hour no there was none of that this time which mm-hmm. i found incredibly telling we seem to understand what or we're starting to understand i don't want to say it's a fait accompli we seem no. to be starting to understand that there's there's there is a real cost to labor and if you want people to have good lives and feel accomplished in their job you're gonna have to say it in their paycheck like giving someone a thumbs up and like a 20 dollars gift card for christmas doesn't quite do it anymore like people have you know to and and, and, i mean it's not a done deal either like i remember i was at the the guelph central station the other day and there was a a where uh i I don't want to say the name of the company but it, it, it is like a warehouse kind of gig job um, in the Southgate area in the Hanlon Creek Business Park. And they, they have a big sign up in Guelph Central Station that says like 18 something an hour. And my thought was like, well, that's really great. And it's really great. They're like pushing this. It's like, here's a great feature of our business. We're going to pay you not just uh, the minimum wage, like a, a decent like $18 an hour wage, except it's at Southgate. And you're yeah. advertising at Guelph Central Station, which means that's like an hour's bus ride yeah. at least. <laughs> which, you know, so th- there's still like, um, we, we haven't quite strung all the, 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 the aspects of this together quite yet, but I mean, 2021 was a good year for labor and perhaps 2022 is going to be a, 
a better year. We'll have to wait and see. And that's the working week for this week. I'm Scotty Hurtson. <laughs> fair. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. Yeah, of course. I, 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 I mean, I'm like, yeah, I, I've heard this before. But yes, uh, agreed with all. And I think the one of the key things that has come out of the COVID era is that people are realizing that the power that they have, mm-hmm. if they're able to organize to some degree, I don't even mean just union. Mm-hmm. But if you get your act together and you know not play into the times but sort of be part of the times and because as we've seen through history be it you know during the depression or world war ii from the from you know the north american perspective let's say and those kinds of struggles we've seen the decline in the 70s of from the 70s on of everything but now it's it's swinging back the way record profits it's like oh business is falling apart this right you know the economy is is booming Right. You can't find workers. Well, like you say, the ad at Central Station, whatever, you have to pay them. Yeah. The time has come where you have to shell out. Yeah. And the whiners that we normally see, like the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, you will name all the names, right? (laughs) It's like Chamber of Commerce. Yeah. Yeah. Chamber of Commerce. When you said Marty Williams, I'm like, no, that's a different Marty Williams. Um, (laughs) DBA. It's and yeah. you know I'm not saying Marty our Marty Williams has to shut up, but you know there are people that's like this, this is this is how it's going to be now, mm-hmm. and hopefully on into the future. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, it's not perfect. I mean, like who was Times no. Person of the Year? It's like Elon Musk who does oh, nothing yeah. <laughs> but bitch and moan about socialism, even though he's like the huge, like the biggest benefactor of corporate yeah. socialism. Um, you know the whole thing this year with the. <laughs> the the billionaire space race and all that and you know what hardly got any news like before christmas like this warehouse uh amazon warehouse collapse and yeah they wouldn't uh, let know. them go wouldn't let them there's a tornado coming no you stay here yeah that's or the candle factory that was the candle factory yeah. yeah which i mean yeah you can't go home it's like, like well there's <laughs> yeah i found that astonishing it's like no our candle making is so important i can't let you go home in the hurricane it's like really you're making candles i mean okay but yeah so i mean like you're, like the good news stories are balances with, the, with these other stories that just like make the point i mean it, it just makes the point of just how far there is left to go and you can't take your foot off the the pedal and and if you kill workers you should go to jail well, if you kill anyone, well, look you at you, Jeff to- Bezos, among others. But <laughs> you kill anyway. you kill anyone, you should go to jail. That's- no, no, no. But specifically, <laughs> the- yeah. right? I know what you mean. <laughs> I just, uh, I just don't want to make it sound like we're pro other sorts of killing. Yeah, this is the good news story. I was like, Dude, you kill somebody. I'm like, uh, don't kill anybody, and you know, lobby for better wages for everyone. That seems like a good place to have a commercial break. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> All right, we're going to come right back with the other two awards. You're listening to Open Sources Guelph here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I said, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Ooh, what kind of man could I be if I can't talk about
And that was our Royal Cat Records pick of the week. Royal Cat Records 21 Mac Donnell in the downtown. I'm going to say, please call for availability. <laughs> We're right in the middle of the holidays and it's like, I don't know what's going on. Hopefully things are okay. Anyway, that was Eddie Grant. Mm-hmm. You may know Eddie Grant from uh, Electric Avenue. It was his big hit. This song, however, was a big hit in other places, and it's called Living on the Front Line. And it has a hint of political significance, but we will get to that at some point in part two. Mm-hmm. Interesting. How's well, that for that, a teaser, eh? It's a teaser. That is a teaser, <laughs> for sure. Uh, so this brings us to Dumpster Fire of the oh, Year. yeah. Um, and boy, boy, was it lit, as the kids say, um, this year. Uh, I I have an alternative pick if you choose uh, one of mine. So I want you to go first so I can go with the alternative if, if it turns I'm going to sense that there might be a bit of overlap here. Okay, and again, okay. this is a bit of a blanket award like my good news story. And I give the dumpster fire to all of the anti-mask, anti-vax, conspiracy, <laughs> take back Canada, traveling roadshow, shadows out there, uh, all of those marches, all those events. Now, I'm going to you know, couch this a little bit. I don't care mm-hmm. if your opinion is that you don't want to get vaccinated and you don't believe in this and you think the 5G is rotting your brain. Uh We've talked about this before. Democracy is a democracy. Adam, you go and cover these events and mm-hmm. to your credit, because I would never do it because I just couldn't do it, um, but you're doing it. I don't have to do it, right? But um, <laughs> That's how this works, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly how this works. What your opinion is, I don't care, but here is where I draw the line, and these are the people that I have a specific problem with. It's anybody that uses particularly World War II imagery anybody that's going to dress up as a death camp prisoner, anybody wearing a yellow star, and anybody that quotes anything Nazi, Hitler, fascist, any of that stuff, like, I have no time for that. Because, you know, not only, like, deeply, deeply flawed politics, I know that the intent is probably to get a rise out of people like myself who have a real problem with that. And like I said, I don't care what your opinion is. But that's the line that you don't cross with me and people like me. So that's Mm -hmm. maybe me putting people on notice. I don't even go to these things, so it doesn't matter. But it does matter because that's just sick, in my opinion, right? I have issues. And this is, Adam, this is why I cannot go. Because (laughs) if somebody, you know, if the death camp cosplayer from Kitchener came to Guelph, (laughs) dressed like that, I mean, I would be the one going down. And I've already had an incident in my life that has gone that way. It's a long story, and I'm not going to get into it. (laughs) But I have to take a step back because I know that with their going over the line, and I think, you know, I suspect this is the reaction that they want, right? Mm -hmm. I I know for a fact now that Omicron is probably going to rub all of them out or some of them out, or they're all going to get it. We're all getting this thing, it looks like, right? I hope not. It's looking that way. Right. So that that may bring them all down a peg or two. But, you know, it's like that, the, the anti-vaxxer guy who had the, the tube in his neck and now he's back tweeting. He's like, oh, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's fine. I'm fine. Like, dude, you aren't fine. You were close to the abyss and you haven't <laughs> changed your mind at all. Even if you haven't changed your mind, just shut up. 
Okay. Well, I don't know what I can add to that. Um, <laughs> no, but you're right. And I mean, speaking as someone who goes to a lot of these things, the trickiest part to me is like separating like the people who are being led astray and the people who are doing the leading. And there was a post on Leanne Curran's Twitter feed um, before Christmas where she, you know, did what a lot of people do, which is do the selfie of getting the uh, vaccinated. And she's like, yeah. Yeah, I went and got a booster today. And I know the last time I did this, I was trolled by a bunch of people who, you know, <laughs> were anti-vaccine. And and of course, like, what's one of the first people who respond? It's like this egg account who's like got a screenshot of Herman Goering testifying at Nuremberg. And it's like, oh, wow. Yeah. It's like, yeah, she kind of called you out, dude. And you like fell into the trap, question mark. And I mean, there's a lot of this, too. And um. I've been to these gatherings where like people have got up and said, we need to send Justin Trudeau to Nuremberg. It's like, why are you sending him to Nuremberg? Cause that was where they put the Nazi war criminals on trial, which is like, cause that was in Germany. It's like a major, you know, city in Germany, which is why they had it in Nuremberg. It's like, there's no significance to Nuremberg in terms of like war crimes. If that's what you're accusing Trudeau of, it, it was like, that was a very specific <laughs> instance where um, Nuremberg was the home to, uh, yeah, war crimes. It's just, yeah, the, the people. It, it certainly made me um, weary of comparing things to World War II. Um, I mean, that that's that was kind of played out long before the pandemic came along. But it's even more played out now with people talking about um, being led to death camps and re-education camps if they don't get vaccinated. It's like, dude, no one's going to put you in a camp. Lord, we've wish we could yeah. maybe in some cases but <laughs> it's you know and all, all the villains and things and but to to get back to the, the point uh, you're getting at it it's it's especially hard um to figure out who's who's being led astray and who's doing the leading and why they're doing the leading because certainly some of them are true believers but others are people who are Grifton, they see an opportunity to grift and they love Grifton. And yeah, well, my dumpster fire is uh, same corner, maybe different aisle, <laughs> different um, gloves. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's what's happening on before and really after January 6th in the United States. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's the dumpster fire is still burning um, and it's not so much like what happened. You know, I get it. Donald Trump rousted a bunch of people and we're still kind of coming to terms with that, but it's every, the, the way kind of everybody's reacted since. And, you know, if I can encourage people go back and remember what it was like to watch all this unfold on TV on January 6th yeah. and think about like how disgraceful it was and how shocking it was, because it feels like a lot of people have just gotten over it. Um, whether we're talking about like mainstream journalists who are, like put on seditionists, and I, and by and by that I don't I don't mean like Jacob Chansley, the Q shaman. I mean people who put up Ted Cruz on TV and treat him like he's, um, like he's just a regular ordinary politician, or Josh Hawley, or mm-hmm. anyone who voted to. Actually, I would include and not just people who voted to not approve electoral votes, but people who voted to not impeach Donald Trump for it either, or yeah. did not vote for a, uh, a, a, a bipartisan committee to investigate January 6th. I mean, people like Manchin and Cinema who won't vote or who won't 
overturn the filibuster so that voting rights can be passed with just a simple majority. I mean, people like Merrick Garland, who is so busy trying not to look political, he's willing to let crimes against the state just sort of like continue. Um, You know, this has kind of become a recurrent thing, like people who've been accused of uh, who have been charged and convicted of crimes related to January 6th, the judge will often say, this sentencing recommendation from the Department of Justice does not go far enough. Mm-hmm. And they up the sentence. Like, why isn't Garland and the DOJ going for the maximum? And for that matter, why did it take weeks for them to for, for them to formally arrest Steve Bannon for um, not, a you know, for contempt of Congress? I forgot the term for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so angry. I forgot the term. <laughs> um, he, you know, just it, it took like a week to get it from the select committee to the house for approval. And then it took weeks with an S for the DOJ to actually like sign the slip of paper and said, yeah, he, he did contempt. No, there's no question. Like they didn't have to investigate. He was in contempt. He refused to show up to give testimony and to hand over documents. Um, and then, it was like, yeah, you know, Steve, if you want to come by Monday, we'll like get you in and out. No problem. I don't know how many times we have seen cops rough up somebody for simple traffic crimes mm-hmm. or like <laughs> George Floyd, who passed a counter, perhaps without his knowledge, perhaps with his knowledge, passed a t- counterfeit $20 bill. He was killed for that. Yeah. I don't know why they didn't send 20 of the biggest federal agents working in the dc area to steve bannon's house in three suvs have them kick in the door of his mansion like pull him out in whatever state of dress he was in throw him across the hood pat him down cuff him and shove him in the back of the car and take him to the nearest courthouse that's what would have happened if he was a drug dealer if he was uh, a gang banger if he was someone like accused of murder if he was a serial killer I think his crimes are far worse than any of that, but he gets to come in leisurely and surrender when he wants. Nuh-uh. This isn't about politics. He led a, uh, an act of treason against the United States government and to treat any of these people like they didn't know what they were doing the whole time. I mean, the upper echelon. I mean, Bannon. I mean, Giuliani. Yep. Not I the mean, QAnon shaman. Not got, the Q shaman. Who, yeah. I mean, like the, those people who got carried away and yeah. like Ashley Babbitt, who uh, unfortunately is being turned into a martyr mm. um, instead of being treated as like a victim of the, of the coup plotters. It's just, no, it's like, <laughs> we need the yeah. United States to get more serious about this or they are done. And I do not understand people like Chuck Todd who come out with the, the with the kid gloves because, you know, it's not going to matter. That you had like for Chuck Todd, you're, it's not going to matter. You had Rich Lowry from National Review on your panel this week. Yep. Like some MAGA hat wearing goon is going to take you by the cuff to a mass grave somewhere, put you on your knees, and put two bullets in the back of your head next time for being a traitor. It doesn't matter that you had Rich Lowry and Scott Walker on your Meet the Press panel this week. They won't care because they don't know who Rich Lowry is. Mm. And then that's it too. I mean, it's you know. Whitey gets a pass, but also establishment people and former establishment people too see it all yeah. the time, right? Where it's yeah. like they don't necessarily, if they wanted to, like, you know, what you described there would sound like a scene from Cops uh, yeah. take you down. <laughs> it was. I think they it was. They could, right? But, it, but they only do that with, yeah, 
they do that with the, with the not the select few, but the, the the majority. Whereas somebody who has been in part of the establishment, like Bannon and all the other names, and Roger Stone, another good example, right? It's just kind of like ah, uh, you know, we need we need to let this go. We don't want to um, overstep. But yeah, I mean the, the uh, I don't know what word to use, but since it's mostly males, I will the balls to just <laughs> kind of say I'm not. I don't want to. Uh, no, I'm not going to testify. I'm not going to provide. Any, I'm just not going to do it. But where do we see that? Where have we seen that? We see yep. it with Trump, with yep. the tax returns, with the we need this from you, Mr. Trump. No, I'm not. No, I'm just not. I'm just not going to give it to you. And I will fight you to the death or <laughs> yeah. at least till the last lawyer breathing that you are not going to get that from me. Or so the last lawyer. Know, who is the you know, <laughs> Trump is the root. Right. He, yeah. But he's, he's also a symptom. Right. He's a symptom of what's going on. And it, it peaked yeah. probably January 6th. Because imagine. Imagine if those people and they weren't organized. And I say this the same, I mean, to a different, to a lesser degree in Canada as well with the People's Party. Mm-hmm. If they were organized, mm-hmm. that would have been a completely different scene. Yeah. Would have, like, they would, yeah. There are enough guns in America for them to get organized. There are enough rocket propelled grenades in, in America for them to get organized. If they wanted a true insurrection, they probably could have put on a hell of a show, probably more so than, than you know, yeah. the QAnon shaman sounding his barbaric yop in the chambers there, right? Like that's, it's cosplay, but if they do, if they were organized, I mean, yeah. and this, you know, this, America is going to be unpacking this for years. And they yeah. have to do some reflection too on, on where they have to go with this, right? Where What, what are they going to do to not only prevent that from happening again, but it's like, what are the circumstances that led up to this? And, you know, there's a ton, right? But when, when one of them is the commander in chief, Mm-hmm. It's unusual circumstances, right? Because there's all there's there are always the disgruntled, right? These you know, from the Minutemen on, right? There's this kind of like the rumbling. There's always people who are um, mm-hmm. part of that subculture, let's call it for lack of a better word, but the undercurrent, the um, that hate the system or fight the system or whatever. But uh, you know, that was like mm-hmm. it's that meets the circus meets you know, social media, it's, it's, yeah. it's phenomenal. Yeah. And a dumpster fire, as you said. <laughs> and, and it's important to note, like, yeah, they should do some examining, but the question is like, do they have the time? Because, you know, the, the trends are working against them. Um, yep. What are the odds that the Democrats will still be in power this time next year? Not great. So, mm, yeah. Uh, well, let's talk about good news again. Um, yeah, who's your who's your choice for best politician of the year? Because it ties into the song, so I'm very interested. It ties into the song. Yes, Mia Motley, oh, the yeah. Prime Minister of Barbados, who we've spoken about a couple of times on the show in the normal run of the year. But I first heard of her. It was mid-pandemic, sometime maybe in the summer, and it was one of those a bit of a filler piece. I can't remember what it was on, but it was. It, she was trying to encourage people to come and spend their pandemic in Barbados. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Ooh, you've got my attention. And she also, <laughs> this, you know, to her, it's, this is sort of an aside, but she has this beautiful speaking voice and she's like, you know, come to Barbados. We have excellent Wi-Fi, and, you know, in the middle of a pandemic in Canada, it's like right now with the temperatures that I'm like, Oh, that sounds great. And this sounds like a minor point, but then of course we saw in November, um, where the Barbadian government finally said, okay, we are going to, well, it, there was a bit of a lead up to it, but they've, they've mm-hmm. gone from being 
as we are tied to the UK as a constitutional monarchy to being a republic. And it's extra significant for Barbados because it, it was essentially established by the <clears throat> Britain and the UK as a, as a, as a slave state. It was the first like slave nation, mm-hmm. you know, Europe needs sugar. And then there's this whole chain of, so they're finally throwing the yoke of that off that all of, you know, colonialism, slavery, oppression, the last vestiges of that. And it, it, it was a peaceful transition. You know, there was a time if they had done that as, you know, let's Haiti as an example or other countries say, okay, we're just going to get rid of this. Prince Charles shows up. Uh, they gave him an award. They gave him like, I don't know if he was made hero of Barbados as well, like Rihanna was. We did speak <laughs> about this too, but yeah. <laughs> you know, if you're going to make somebody a hero of your nation, it might as well be uh, Rihanna, right? But uh, yeah, so the, the this is impressive stuff. And, and Motley... Um, also made an appearance in Glasgow, uh, a speech that was fairly renowned. It was only about 10 minutes or so, but of all the countries that spoke at COP26, mm-hmm. uh, she, you know, managed to hit all the high notes for the, for the countries that are going to be deeply uh, affected by climate change, particularly island nations that may effectively disappear if you don't hit the bar. And she <laughs> interestingly quoted Eddie Grant uh, that very song, "Living on the Front Line," and I was like, "Oh, I sort of remember that song." But that's that's the thing; she's willing to kind of go. And this is she's been a politician for a long time. Let's say thirty years, I think. Started as a very young person, I think her father before you know the usual tradition mm-hmm. um, has is able to kind of go off script. Mm-hmm. And I think few politicians are are able to do that these days as we see with some of our own where it's like, it has to be tightly scripted. You don't want to take any questions from anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and f- not funny enough, but one of the questions that she got from somebody at the BBC was about the, uh, you know, Barbados is still a fairly conservative nation, even though uh, Motley's government who won all of the seats, by the way, by mm-hmm. the way, it was a uh, labor government. So let's mm-hmm. say liberal style, right. Asking about the um, LGBT community and LGBT issues because the colonial laws in Barbados still harken back to the whole sodomy is against the law. And like, it's, it's completely, completely from another time. Mm -hmm. And that's their challenge for uh, 2022 beyond becoming a Republic is like having to deal with that as well. So that's, you know, Motley has a work cut out for her for sure, but I would give her a uh, thumbs up because I want to go check out their Wi-Fi and uh, on the beach. (laughs) I mean, I think a lot of people would be surprised just in how many places sodomy is still against the law. (laughs) It's, it's one of those things like even the phrase itself, right? It's like, like what? Like, yeah, it's biblical, it's, right? It's like, yeah, it's kind of the word is the word itself is built to sound like something that is against the law. <laughs> We're going to put you in the workhouse. Yeah, like, right. Yeah. yeah, it. I, I mean, it's it's unfortunate, but I mean, it's one of these things like there are a lot of places where there are a lot of laws on the books. I mean, I think in Toronto, it's still if you arrive at the Royal York Hotel on a horseback, they still have to stable your horse by bylaw. <laughs> um, and like, what are the odds? Someone's going to pull up at the Royal York with a horse. Yep. It's- I'm going to do it now. And they have to give you a tot of rum or something. right? Uh- <laughs> oh, probably like there's probably like some sort of standard uh, amount of hay that they have to provide to your mm-hmm. horse. And it's, it, it, I mean, that's, that's getting off track um- <laughs> <laughs> completely, but it's, it's fun. <laughs> Uh, my choice is more local. Um, 
I mean, it was a bad year for the Green Party, but not if you're the Green Party EDA in Kitchener Center, ah. where Mike Maurice won. I should say Morris. It's not Maurice. It's easy to say Maurice, but uh, some people I'll, call me Maurice. Yeah, I'll, 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 we'll fix it in post. But Mike Morris, um, <laughs> friend of the show, I should say as well. Um, he won and uh, won quite handily. Granted, um, he was somewhat assisted by the fact that the liberal incumbent Raj Saini, his campaign blew up uh, fairly late in the game. Uh, not soon enough, they they could take his name off the ballot. Um, but I think I don't want to put money on it. But mm. I I think Mike Morris would have finished very strong and might have even won regardless. Um, because at the end of the day, who is Raj Saini? What did he do for <laughs> six yeah. years? Um, I don't know. Uh, apparently, other than racking up um, harassment allegations. Uh, yeah, I, I think what the lesson is from Mike Morris is that, you know, yeah, timing is a part of it. It was, it was kind of a competitive seat, like when Mike Schreiner won here in 2018. Um, but you kind of kind of have to take advantage of those things. And how do you do that? Well, you have the right people in the right place at the right time. And that sounds, that's one of those things that's easier said than done. But here's what Mike Morris did. Yeah, he ran in 2019 and the Green Party had the wind at its back. Didn't translate into a lot of new seats. But what what did it do? It helped Mike Morris build community cachet. He was um, a local guy. He wasn't somebody who was parachuted in. He comes from Mm -hmm. Kitchener Center. Uh, That's his neighborhood. That's uh, where he's worked and been an advocate, uh, an activist, you know, for his adult life, um, working on sustainability projects and all that. So I think the ultimate lesson is like, if you lose, yeah, maybe sometimes that has to do with you as a candidate, but also it's sometimes you just have to earn your chops. You have to sort of get, get those skid marks so to speak and Mm -hmm. then uh put your head down and come back all the stronger because you don't know when an opportunity might present itself for a breakthrough um yeah it was part luck uh i mean in so much as you want to consider it luck given what saini is was accused of but at the same time um that created an opportunity for mike morris that he and he had built that following and that he had built an opportunity for himself to take advantage of a situation, a unique situation where there was a void. People were looking for somebody community minded to fill that void. And and he was there. And I don't think he was never not taken seriously as a candidate in the election. It just so happened between his, um, his activism, his hard work, his campaign, and then the, for the, for the coup de gras that it became an open seat in the process um yeah and sometimes a little luck is yeah what is needed right yeah exactly and that's a you you take the you take what you can get and it still amazes me in i'm going to generalize in this area now we will just (laughs) say the tri-cities for for you know for lack of a better descriptor for the area but it is essentially the area in that people do put a lot of stock out this way in people that have been involved in the community Mm-hmm. I say this about Guelph all the time, regardless of your politics, it does, it does make a difference. And if you're somebody that's out there, like the, the mics, <laughs> the green mics uh, have been, or, yeah. you know, Lloyd Longfellow or Cam and others, like if, if you have 
if you have spent time in out in the community doing a variety of things, even beyond well, a lot of it is beyond politics before you become a political person, mm-hmm. then uh, you know that that is how you you win in this area. Mm-hmm. And I that's that, I presented this thesis before, I guess, but it, it is so true. Right, you can't. We don't do parachutists very well here in no. Guelph or Kitchener or whatever. It's like you need to yeah. be, however that is, however you you represent yourself in the community and make yourself, uh, you know, accessible to the community. Um, that's that's what is needed out this way. And you know, you could extend that to other places as well. But there there are lots of there's lots of places where candidates just kind of appear, and because they belong to X party, yeah, uh, they get they get the job. They get the. We've said that, or at least I've said in the past about a lot of uh, certain writings, particularly conservative ones out in rural areas, where it's like it doesn't matter who runs, conservative is going to win. Yeah. Whereas in more urban areas, not unlike ours, there's a there's a bit more leeway. Mm-hmm. Um, now, as to whether it's you know his Mike's Mike Morris's. Um, advancements let's say are going to translate in some of the greens because we know they have had other issues um which are theirs to overcome and they may do yet um you know not not done yet uh we'll see (laughs) so that's you know yeah uh, it's it's interesting being in one of the green areas tri-cities uh on the rise like it's it's Mm -hmm. People just associate it kind of with like BC and some other random seats for, oh, well, no, the, the official opposition and PEI, right? Yeah, you can't take it as a matter of like, we're building a wave, you know, you can't build a wave sort of one person at a time. You have to, no. you, you, you can build a community one person at a time and you can build a movement one person at a time. But there's no, there's, no, I don't think there's ever going to be a green wave. And perhaps that's a lesson to um, going into a very busy election year for all these candidates, it's like, you can't just run and expect there to be a wave and expect things to hit. You have to do the hard work. You have to build a community first and Mm -hmm. then the wave hits. There's no such thing as an overnight success. Very true. Unless your last name's Trudeau. Just saying. Anyway, (laughs) uh, unless you're open sources. (laughs) (laughs) This is definitely not an overnight success. we're, We're now going into year eight, year eight, year eight. Yikes. Yeah. Plus all the other time that it's, Oh man. Well, we, we, we don't we don't we don't count in the beginning. There was open sources, but there we go. Um, it is the, <laughs> the end sea of, parted and we were there. Yeah. <laughs> it is the end of this week's show. So we hope you <laughs> liked it and you can stay connected to us at our website, open sources, We're on the Facebook at open sources newswire and we're on Twitter at OS underscore Guelph. You can listen to this show again by downloading it from our website every Monday. Get it at the Guelph Politicast channel on Podbean or through your favorite podcast app at Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson, and you can check out my news and politics site at guelphpolitico.ca. I'm Scotty Hertz on Facebook, Scotty Hertz on Twitter, and for all things CFRU, scheduling information to do that deep dive, because <laughs> there is so much there, all the fantastic shows beyond this one, uh, check out CFRU.ca. And of course, Happy New Year to one and all. Thanks for sticking with us through year seven. We hope you're looking forward to year eight. Uh, it's going to be a lot of election stuff, so I hope yeah. you're ready for it. And uh, stay tuned for more programming here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. We shall return in the new year, in the year 2022. Oh, man, the year of sun and green. Yikes. <laughs> is it? <laughs> it's the year Southern Green is supposed to have happened. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't know if that, that has any 
deeper meaning, but we'll we'll talk about it off air anyway. Uh, <laughs> that's it for this week's show. We'll see you next Thursday at 5 p.m. for more open sources, and we'll see you then. Yeah.